which is oogly! You should start. Oh, I want to forgive you, and I want to forget you. Welcome back to D-Girls. I am one of your hosts, Julia. I'm Delaney. And I'm Tina, and we are your D-Girls, back for another week of exciting reality chitter-chatter. Um, I guess first up, we're gonna we're gonna put our cameras up real quick and get into some of the hot Ooh, news wee wee. from the last week or so. Um, so probably some of the biggest news to hit the Bravo universe this week is Kim uh, Zolciak Bierman filing for divorce from Croy Bierman after eleven years of marriage. Many have said this means that true love is dead. What do y'all think? I think it's so sad because I know that they were one of the longest running couples, and it's very strong people really rooted for them and uh it's always sad to see a strong relationship go i think i need to stop being surprised by anyone's divorce these days Mm. (laughs) so true fair enough yeah i was surprised by reese witherspoon's divorce and then i said julia Mm -hmm. what have we learned what have we learned from channing tatum and jenna duan tatum don't and and that's on that. Absolutely. <laughs> and why is it always housewives and their financial issues it that truly is. lead to the downfall? It's always money. And I think I think people who've been talking about it, podcasts I've listened to, articles I'm reading, all were like, it's just got to be about the money because I cannot believe that she would leave this man. Like, based on the, the love they, that we have witnessed them have over many years on television... But so basically, within the the week that their divorce was made public, it was also reported that the couple owed $1.1 million in unpaid taxes. And Whoa. they're also both seeking sole custody of the kids. So, and Croy's got like a really bitter Betty Instagram bio right now that says, my ring meant a thing. You can Google me and see I wasn't tardy for that party. <gasps> and I was like, oh no. Because <laughs> wasn't that the original... She, like she was tardy for the party. That's like a dig yeah. at her. Oh my yes, god! Yes, correct. To for have yes. them to have them both go after the kids for sole custody mm-hmm. is so like that is so personal and like insidious, right? Of just like I, there's some really hard feelings involved. Clearly, this was like a deep, deep cut. This conflict ran deeper than probably unpaid taxes. I know. I just, I'm like, I'm curious to hear more and learn more, but it is going to be really sad to watch because their love was very, I mean, listen, the the thing that is so delightful about them is the way Croy loves her, the way he puts her on a pedestal, the way he willingly is carrying her bag at any event, the way he is her number one fan has been, I think, what we've all loved watching the most and I think to watch like that Instagram bio from him for me was a little that was like a stab to the heart I was like oof these people are hurt and now you're gonna deal with the kids of it all and so it's gonna be sad my I and I don't really know how it works legally in terms of taxes that if you separate who gets to like Mm, is somebody less liable to pay the taxes if you separate assets like I don't know what the point would be in divorcing I don't, I don't know. So yeah. I, I, it's sad. They're like, we owe a lot of money. Let's hire lawyers and cost ourselves more money. That doesn't make sense to me financially. It's not a sound decision yeah. for sure. Cause you still, they were married. So it's everything falls between them both. Um, unless it was one of like their businesses, which all of these housewives have like LLCs. Um, so who knows the details, but I will say 
you know, Croy to be like the Instagram bio is such like an AIM message away. I know, like, like such an immature like uh, don't like this is the real story. Uh, don't mm-hmm. talk to me until you know the truth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at, part of me is like, get it together, man. Like you're a grown adult. And then the other part of me is like, keep it coming. <laughs> like this very... is why they're incredible reality stars, you know. Yes, yeah. it's realize, realize, realize. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think we're still waiting to hear more from like, actually from the, out of the two of their mouths. I don't think we've heard almost anything yet, but you know, watch this space. We'll see what happens. See as we, as we learn more, but true love is dead. Y'all so sorry to have to report that here um, to you live. Once Sad. again. Once again, once again, yeah. once again, true love is dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yet again. Well, well, I will say that I would say Carl and Lindsay oh, have yeah. something to say against sure. that. <laughs> true sure, love sure. is not dead for those two in Summer House mm-hmm. as they Eleven got engaged. Well. Um, they did. One of the funniest moments of the season was definitely Paige and her oh, confessional yeah. saying she wore shoulder pads to the beach. That was incredible. She knew she was getting in, <laughs> getting proposed so to. So incredible. Yeah, and like definitely accurate for sure. But I think, you know, what we witnessed in this episode was the final blow to Danielle's case. It was just oh. finally like... It was dead as a doornail, like the end, RIP, like you lost it, Danielle, you lost the game. And it was, at first I was like, maybe, okay, if you're upset at the party where they're not there, the the pre, excuse me, not the party, if you're upset before you go to the party, then okay, maybe amongst friends being shocked that you didn't know, but then to go to the party and then be talking about it, I was like, no. Well, you saw a producer literally talk her into going. She was in the bathroom sobbing, being like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. It's like, girl, you don't have to actually. Maybe you don't do this. That was a rare, I think for all these shows, that was a rare breaking of the fourth wall to have the producer on camera. And I wonder about that choice. And I actually don't know how I feel about it. Um, like, I don't mm. know why that choice was made quite yet. I think because contextually she was, like, saying things and it would have made it, her look even more crazy if she was just talking to no one because everyone else was downstairs. There was no way to cut it because she was saying... I remember thinking that, too, being like, why are they showing this producer? Because he, he doesn't say anything significant, no. but yeah. she does. She's, like, really ranting about the situation. Like, it's so fucked up. This is the last straw, blah, blah, blah. She's, like, really going at it. And I just don't think... It just would have made her look more unhinged than she already did yeah. um, if it was just, like, talking to no one. I don't know. Yeah. I did resonate. I think, again, I think some of the parts of the show that I notice make people feel the most uncomfortable are ones where I'm like, oh, hasn't that been me at times where you're like a dog with a bone and you cannot like mm. let it go. Like she's just, something has snapped and she's going around the party and can't stop herself from talking to every single person about that it. And I, so and haunting. I, think, I think it's because, I mean, listen, I want to give her just the littlest benefit of doubt in that everyone's asking her, when did you find out? Is like right. a natural question to ask the person you presume is one of Lindsay's closest friends. So I think she was stuck between a rock and a hard place, kind of having to decide like, 50, but she could have just said, she could have just said, I found out just before. And then that's the end of the sentence. It was 
sometimes people were asking her and then other yeah. times she was asking people when did you find out so it yeah, was true. like that's true it was kind of both i see that if someone asked her i could see why then she would be like oh funny you should ask because i'm pissed about it but mm-hmm. but there were times where they i mean look it's all in the editing so who knows yes. but you know there were times where it looked like she literally approached people and was like guess what happened to me today yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah the evidence the edit of it was rough regardless of how it shook out but once you have Lindsay's friends saying to her like you gotta get it together like not right now don't beat this person also was Robert there was he at that party he wasn't he wasn't there he came the next day he was there the next day for the flag football day or whatever yeah and even that I thought was an interesting conversation his attempt at no. Again, this is where great. I'm like, I go back to like, you need to stay out of other people's arguments. There mm-hmm. is, there shouldn't be middlemen. Like the boyfriends trying, like, it, it should be Danielle and Lindsay talking to each other. Yeah. That is the point of contention. You need to go to the source, and that's when. That's why I was like, Carl, stay out of it. And now Robert, friggin' stay out of it. Like, don't. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it just doesn't make it better. I do think I was thinking, watching that about how. Danielle rode so hard. She did not allow any bad mouthing of Carl in the house prior to Carl and Lindsay's mm, arrival. And true. I was like, oh, this is tough. Like, I just think she feels so abandoned because she was going to the mat for them over and over again. I would be hurt for sure if I didn't know about the engagement. I would be hurt. Yeah. I would hope. Literally watching that episode, I was like, Julia, I hope we would never do... Me to me. <laughs> we would never do something like this. I hope we would shut our mouths. Um, I know. Because I was Again, just... And I don't know. Silly. I don't know who I'd know. be. I don't know who I'd be. It's just like, it's the drum I keep beating this season. Like, her feelings are valid. Her behavior is not. Like, yeah. that mm-hmm. is what is the crux of it, really. Yeah. Like, she yeah. can feel that way. You can absolutely be hurt that you were left out like uh, I'm sh- I would feel the same way but then to like literally spend again it's like this is so about so much more than this moment she's like totally, totally spinning out losing it sobbing hysterically I don't know if that would be my reaction if I found out my friend got engaged and I didn't know I think I would be a little like "Ooh, ouch that did hurt why wasn't I included why didn't you trust me with this information but the overwhelming feeling would hopefully be joy and at least like celebration even if it's a little bit performative if you don't Mm -hmm. truly believe in the relationship you know what your role is right like Mm -hmm. it's not about you no i would i would think honestly the knowledge that this will be aired on television and that (laughs) it's one thing to do it and have Lindsay and Carl never find out it's one thing to do it knowing it will be aired on television and they will process the fact that that's how you behaved at their engagement party. Yeah. That's that's rough. That's really... Because mm-hmm. I just remember um, at the beginning of this season seeing an interview or something from Danielle saying, you know, we saw that their relationship was breaking down from the preview and she made a comment to the public that you know, she would hope that Lindsay would have reached out to her when Robert and her broke up and she did not hear from Lindsay. And so like that speaks volumes. And I was like, dang, that does like, that says a lot about, you know, Lindsay's character and who she is as a friend. But then like seeing that play out, I was kind of like, well, (laughs) I don't know. There's, I wouldn't expect that from Lindsay after this kind of behavior, to be honest. Yeah, I do agree. Well, Summer house to summer house, we just got 
Summer House Martha's Vineyard. Whoop, whoop. Fresh blood. Let's go. Massholes unite. Repping my state. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We've all seen episode one. So what are some of y'all's first impressions, early thoughts? How are you liking it? I think it's a great cast. I think that they have so many personalities, like perfect in their archetypes. Like they have like the hot girl that everyone wants. They have like the type A married wife. They have some mm-hmm. single men. They have some some uh, coupled up men. They have that amazing queer representation who is ready to stand on his soapbox at any moment which is like incredible editing no that was it's like amazing poignant and then there the point gets lost after a few drinks and we've all been there so totally get that but i love the cast i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a breath of fresh air especially of diversity for the bravo network and universe yeah it's it's really exciting i think we talked about this in our group chat but the house itself Oh my puts God. the house in the Hamptons to God. shame. That house is unreal. On the unreal, water. unreal. <sighs> On the water. Absolutely that stunning. Cool, like everything about it is just like, yeah. it's just a mansion, you know? It's it really. A Nancy Myers fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. I love Jordan. I really am loving mm. Jordan. I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, ma'am. We are. Again, a great personality for TV. I will say, and this is bound to happen, the first episode, the drama about the dog, felt contrived to me, personally. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I am such a... I love dachshunds. My family has yeah. a dachshund, so immediately I was on the dog side, I have to be honest. I I'm said that dog, the dog side. <laughs> that dog could shit in the kitchen, and I'd still say, well... Things you happen. probably deserved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it I was just struggling with like the emotional support animal in the Martha's Vineyard mansion. And well, sure. And that is sure. complicated like, how, much, how much support? Like just use this excuse like you just want your dog there. But to keep like driving home the like my emotional support animal. I'm like are you experiencing really deep levels of anxiety in this stunning home in Martha's Vineyard? And that's not to diminish like anxiety experiences. But like let's talk a little more about that. She just kept saying it and not yeah. expanding on it. And I was like just say more. Tell us why. Like what do you. What's I, the real problem? Yeah, I think that lends itself to why the conflict felt contrived. Like, I would have rather... I think she was just leaning into that. I would have rather heard, this is my beloved pet. Like, it belongs here in the house. Like, I don't know. Um, then, then again, I think the qualifications for an emotional support animal are pretty low. It's very low. And very that's why low. I think that it must have been, like, a excuse. Like, I bet, like, other people had pets or something. Like, yeah. I bet it was a production rule, right? Like, there's not a lot of yes. pets on Bravo in general. Like, of course, there are. But mm-hmm. but generally, yeah. like, in a, in a co- living share house house. i'm like i bet there was a rule against pets and then she was like well it's esa so therefore you can't say anything legally you can't do anything totally right so i think she was doubling down on like i'm allowed to have this dog even if you don't like it yes i guess slight spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it's not that crazy but two of the women get upset because th- there's dog hair on the couch they're trying to sit on that's that's really what it is they're caught off guard yeah. that she, she, the woman didn't tell them she was bringing a dog and they're like there's dog hair everywhere and so they kind of come at her about it in a way that it's like no one would be 
this upset. I know they're trying to drum something up. And that happens at the beginning of every like, they have franchise. to make conflict. Yeah. You yeah. get yeah. something that feels pretty artificial, and hopefully it yeah. kind of tumbleweeds into something that feels yeah. more substantial. They were like, how can we concentrate on writing when there's dog hair on the couch? I was like, literally a sentence that's never been said, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's not like someone's allergic. Like, exactly. that's a different conversation. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, it's, but... Like we've said, a lot of promise here. A contrived... A lot of promise. I mean, that's just a classic. It's just a staple of the of the Bravo, you know, universe. I mean, it's a big, big thing to start a new, a new branch of the Summer mm-hmm. House um, brand. And I think that's super exciting in and of itself. I, it takes me so long to decide if I, like, love a show like this or not. But I did like being in their world, and I liked being introduced to all of them, and I felt excited to get to know them more so i think we have a lot a lot of excitement in store and all the pieces are there for what we love about summer house which is love triangles and tension and single people so i think they're they really gave us what we needed as we're kind of in a very different era of summer house og totally agree um and this is a bit of a this is a bit of a (laughs) Breaking news that's also historical news. Uh, <laughs> that makes no sense. Can we call the hills history? Can we? I think we it's, can. I think we could call it herstory. That's You're just so right. <laughs> you are so right. Okay. Jen Bunny. Jennifer Bunnifer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Keep Jennifer it in. Bunsen burner. Jennifer Bunsen burner. Um... <laughs> Who is, by the way, a doctor. She has a doctorate. She's a doctor. Jen Bunny is someone who appeared on The Hills. She was Lauren Conrad's, like, best friend since the second grade. And on The Hills, her what she is unfortunately remembered for is hooking up with Brody behind Lauren's back with Brody Jenner. And Lauren getting upset with her feeling like Heidi and Spencer conspired to get Jen Bunny and Brody together. Lauren is... Deeply hurt by this, we're, we think that she likes Brody. In real life, it's like, were they ever dating? Like, we probably not. Um, she ends her friendship with Jen Bunny over this. Brody doesn't get in trouble, basically. Like, Classic. Brody, yeah, goes on his merry way. Brody and Lauren stay friends for the duration of Lauren's time on the hills. Jen Bunny makes, like, one more appearance, and we simply never hear from her again. Jennifer Bonifer... PhD <laughs> just went on. <laughs> and by the way, I will say, like, I think the first time I watched as a youth, I was like, ah, oh, Jen Bunny, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you slut. What were you <laughs> thinking? <laughs> exactly. Then what? Which is what they wanted us to feel. Exactly. And then watching years later, I was like, what did they do to Jen Bunny? Justice for Jen Bunny. Like, if at at minimum give Brody equal blame, but also probably we need to hear Jen Bunny out. So absolutely, it takes two to tango. You know, like it's yes. the same. It's like the Jackson Kristen of it. Like why? Like it's mm. both of them absolutely fucked up. You know. Yes. Right. So, as everyone on this podcast knows, I listen to the Hills Rewatch podcast, which like <laughs> I don't know is how I should be spending my one wild and precious life, but sometimes you just gotta <laughs> pop something in the old ear holes. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) Um, They had Jen Bunny on as a guest. The hosts are Heidi, Audrina, Frankie, and Brody. They had Jen Bunny on 
to kind of share her side of the story. We haven't really heard from Jen Bunny publicly in all this time. And Jen Bunny's like, not only did I like not hook up with Brody, we never even kissed. Oh my gosh. Oh shit. Now I will say Brody says, yes, we did. Jen Bunny says, no, we didn't. And please stop saying that. I don't know why you're saying that. Y'all, it was stressful to listen to. And they're to. in the same room, right? Or they're is it like all over- in the same room. Whoa. You can actually watch it on Spotify. Like it comes with the video component, so you can watch them. And Brody just starts going, okay, okay, yeah, what, whatever you say. Listen, I'm not trying to start. Yeah. It's like. It's giving Whitney and Catherine. Oh my god. From Southern Charm. Yes. Except Whitney was so transparently lying. I'm like, do you believe Jody, Julia? What do you, from watching it, what was the vibe? So I, I will say the show does make it seem like they like kissed in a car at Mm. minimum. I don't believe they hooked up. I do not think they did. Um, Audrina also is like, I remember you guys kissing in like the backseat of a car, but Jen Bunny is like, no, we didn't. And to be honest, I don't know why she would lie because she's already paid the price for being Mm. cast as like slutty friend who betrays wholesome friend. Like she goes on to say she got death threats. She would get screamed at on the street. Uh, and Jen Bunny is not someone who got, like, a line at Kohl's. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So... Sorry, that was just... <laughs> the no, way I'm saying really. line at Kohl's, as if... That's... It is a lifeline, though. It is a peak. It of... is... Oh, totally. That's, that's nice. That's some serious bank there, but just a hilarious <laughs> Also, sorry, one of the first things my mom said to me when I got home, she goes, by the way, I have a 40% off coupon for Kohl's if you want to kill some time as we're driving back from the airport I go mom I'm good (laughs) oh I'd be like let's go 40% off you're getting deals I I have like Kohl's trauma from child that's like the only where I I stopped I can't be in Kohl's because of the playlist that they play because it's constantly just like Kelly Clarkson Breakaway and I am always <laughs> Wait, I'm always an excellent song. So. It's an excellent song, but it always, I, they're always trying to make me cry in Kohl's and I don't want to cry in Kohl's. I cried too many times in that dressing room. I'll tell you that. Yeah, so. I don't need it's always it's breakup music like always. 100%. I'm it's, so sorry. And for I can't this. do it. Yes, please, Kohl's. Who knew no, that I would derail it. us? <laughs> Well, I think you think about Heidi. She was vilified by the public. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. She also didn't have a line at Kohl's, but she made some serious money. Then they spent it all, and they didn't have it anymore. <laughs> but she made some real money. Jennifer Bonifer made no, like, some right. very little positive from yeah. the hills. Yeah. And so she, and I was like, actually, Jen Bunny, I want to hear more about the horrors that you went through because I'm, I'm ready to listen as someone who watched the original show. But it was just, it made me, I still feel like Frankie, Brody, Audrina, and Heidi were still being like, yeah, okay, Jen. And Jen and Heidi are still friends. But the way listening to that podcast was obviously very meta because it's a podcast Mm. breaking down a reality show that was also fake that people are now having conflicting accounts stories of what happened it really proves the cliche that there are three sides to every story like the two people involved sides and the truth 
And we just don't know what that is, but I do think it... I think Jen... I don't know. It still felt disrespectful to Jen as as I was listening. It just still felt like this poor woman. Now she's gone on again. She has a doctorate. Like she has a whole family. Like she seems. She says yeah. she doesn't regret her time on the show. I'm not saying that like, you know, she's sad and pathetic. But what I am saying is like that. It just still did not feel fair to Jen, and it was kind of a huge bummer to listen to. To that be sounds, honest, I mean, honestly, it's like either scenario. Let's say that like. Either they're all gaslighting her and saying, yeah. like, yeah, sure, Jan, like, sure, that didn't happen. Yeah. Or she is desperately still affected by this yes. situation and wants to still, like, just shed her character of it. And both situations, like, whether she's lying or they are, are just sad. Yes, exactly. Because it just wasn't deserved in the first place, all of the vitriol, you know, like her no. whole character shun. That is kind of sad. It was a real, yeah, it was a bummer. And like the way that you kind of learn what happened is, is from a production standpoint, pretty devastating because they used her for this storyline and no one ever, she did. She goes, Brody, why didn't you ever clarify that we didn't hook up? Why didn't you ever say that in a public forum? Like you had ample opportunity on the show with people asking, why did you play into it knowing that I was getting screamed at and none of you would talk to me. And she didn't have a platform. They didn't have her back on the show. So she didn't know. Right. Oh my gosh. And then of course, it's just so sad because it obviously broke up one of like the longest running friendships of that group. And that is one of the most devastating events you could experience. I think is a friendship breakup. Yeah. Which leads us to this episode's topic. Wow. That was <laughs> stunning. I Absolutely really... <laughs> stunning. <laughs> PhD <laughs> in segues. <laughs> Absolutely. So this episode, we're going to talk through some of the most, you know, devastating conflicts in reality TV, which often happen between really good friends. And um, I'm curious if either of you have gone through a very significant friendship breakup and what your feelings are around that as it as it kind of compares to a romantic breakup in my like early 30s now I feel like it's kind of been a theme of the last couple of years of my life my friend's life that we're all facing like oh okay some of those people from college and high school we're just like you know our paths are diverging and we're changing and we talk so much more about romantic breakups but we don't talk about friendship breakups and sometimes they're an absolute necessity in our growth but it feels like you're supposed to make it work so you really battle yourself for so long to try to make it work i've been trying to do i've been having a lot of conversations with friends right now who are kind of going through the same things and one of the things i keep trying to use the phrase of instead of a friendship breakup is a friendship reframe which is like, okay, we can okay. stay. That PR coming out, that PR yeah, brain. Yeah, I'm just going to rebrand this as a friendship reframe, which means that like this friendship just needs to look different. But like friendship breakups, I think, come when someone has really betrayed another. You know, there there's a difference between growing apart and like blowing shit up. And I think what we'll look at today is some of the like true. I, so I haven't had a, I haven't had a like, I don't think I've had a break, a friendship break up based in like true like a heartbreaking behavior from a friend Mm. yeah i haven't had a full friendship breakup but i've definitely had conflicts with friends that maybe necessitated a time apart 
-hmm. I think I've come back together with everyone. And I've definitely reframed, you know, (laughs) numerous relationships. I think that is a necessity over time. Yeah, Um, setting boundaries, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's often what it looks like. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. when you don't do the reframe, it does result in a full breakup because resentment builds on both sides. But Mm -hmm. I've definitely experienced, I believe, the pain of, like, a friendship breakup in some of those moments. And, yeah, to me, it's a unique pain that is different and sometimes worse than a romantic breakup because I think, you know, your friends are your community. They're the people that you share the full range of experiences with and the hopefully the people that you know you feel most seen and known by and I don't know there's just something about it that can be so much worse than yeah it really so I went through a friendship breakup in college and it was Mm. like a a long time like this was someone I had known when I was like a child so it was a childhood friend and we had definitely started growing apart but you know she was like a sister to me in a lot of ways and we went through a friendship breakup and it really in the way that like a romantic breakup makes you kind of like look at yourself and say like what did I do wrong like I feel like I tried my best xyz this I think affected how I went into new friendships because like what was what I was left with was her calling me a bad friend and that was like a part of my identity that I held on to with like an iron fist of like I'm a really good friend if there's one thing I know about me is like I know how to show up for people and then I was like do I am I a horrible friend like do I not like know myself does that you know it spins out from there where you think someone sees you for all that you are and then to kind of call you out on some of your flaws while maybe could be helpful for growth as we all need to kind of look in the mirror when it's really difficult sometimes but ultimately it was just like a heartbreaking I don't know it it really did break my trust in people for Mm. for a minute I had a hard time um keeping people close for a bit after that um but actually, funnily enough, we reconnected recently, like 10 years oh. later. And wow. we just caught up, just got drinks, and it was like no time had passed. It was like we never had a big mm. fight and didn't speak for years. We just wow. like wow. fell back into it because that's how like, you know, we were just like, we're just so alike and we we have so much in common and it, it was just... It was kind of lovely. So I always think there is potential for forgiveness and healing and growth and for people to find their way back to each other. And yeah. so I think that we kind of see that with at least my example, but some some of the examples in the, in the reality space of friends taking that time and then finding their way back to each other. Well, I also think, Delaney, what's interesting about that story is I think there's something to also the friendship breakups that happen before you're like a fully formed adult Mm -hmm. because we're all just flailing and trying to figure out how to communicate with each other and totally and and i think as you grow up and you i think that's why you were able to just see each other again and sort of just like null it because it was just like we were babies like i know college you're still so young in college and so just stumbling through life Mm -hmm. that i think those ones if you can give it the breathing room then you can come back around i think it's weirdly the the harder ones are the ones i think that you stick with and you just keep 
riding it out even as it doesn't, doesn't feel right and you're becoming a fully formed adult and as you're a fully formed adult you're like oh no this still doesn't work mm-hmm. and now I gotta figure out how to get rid of this person I've known for 15 years yeah and exactly. I don't know how to I don't know how to have this con- like there's all these varieties of it it's all it all sucks it's all heartbreaking it's all <laughs> hard because it to exactly Julia's point it it's they're supposed to be your people they're supposed to be the people you go to when you have a breakup with a boyfriend or a partner or whatever. So I think it's, um, and I do think reality TV has shown us, I mean, so many examples of this. And I know I've been researching this. I saw a lot of articles about what X, Y, and Z friendship breakup on reality TV taught me about friendship. Yeah. And it's, so it's really funny talk about that all the time about how for our female friendships have like set the bar so high because there's like an intimacy and expectation yep. and care to them that like makes it hard to hold that bar for partners, right? For romantic partners, mm. because the way that we at least like, I don't know, us three, we operate in our friendships, I think is such a deep bond and a deep care and respect and love that we show up in, in the ways that we are strongest at. And it, that results in just like such a a beautiful bond that it can be hard to to make new as as adults right it's hard to make new yeah. friends as adults and to to keep friendships alive and healthy yeah and i would say as much as we talk about our dates with men or ways that we're talking to boys or whatever we are talking about how we're communicating with our friends as well mm-hmm. we're talking about like how can we be better friends how can i be handling this better and i think that um you know, speaks volumes too to how much we're valuing those things in our lives. I think when we are younger, our friendships are kind of a little more disposable, especially when you're in middle school and you're like attached to one person and that's like yeah. your friend. And then all of a sudden one day you're like, oop, nope, it's this one now. You know, what bringing back instant messenger, I feel like how many, yeah, how many um, passive aggressive away messages did you have about your little fight with your friend that day at school? Oh my God, I was so, so guilty. I was so guilty yeah. of putting my messages in white font so that you would have to highlight oh, the message in order whoa. to see it. I was that diabolical. As I don't think I was ever that cool. That's a cool no, one. cool? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> unwell. <laughs> I liked it. I like it. it's mysterious. It's like a little decoder. Exactly. I think it's cool. I'm always supremely bummed out uh, when a friendship dissolves (laughs) and especially on Bravo, our friends, we get so attached, so attached Mm -hmm. to them. So I think we've all chosen a Bravo friendship to discuss today. And I would like to bring to you the sadness that was Mm. the dissolution of Kyle Richards and Lisa Vanderpump's friendship. Um, Mm. It was a sad one. Devastating, and unfortunately, it all goes back to a small little dog named Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy. Um, just kidding, it's so much more complex than that. But basically, Lisa and Kyle, we see them thick as thieves. They're both very funny, like, they're both very mm-hmm. sarcastic and like funny people. Like, my favorite thing about Kyle is her impressions she does of everyone. Yeah, um, yeah, I think historically, I am more of like a Lisa fan because of Vanderpump Rules than a Kyle. Like, I'm just kind of like, yeah, Kyle. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I really love Lisa. They first kind of come into conflict over Brandy Glanville, who is Mm -hmm. 
the kookiest (laughs) woman alive. Um, Really, maybe troubling. Um, (laughs) Lisa, like, gets very close with Brandy. In a way where Lisa will kind of Professor Slughorn these people, like... Absolutely, she She is a collector. Yes, she collects sometimes, like, the younger women. Um, (laughs) And actually, I should back up, because there are a few times, I think, where Kyle would make remarks about Lisa being calculated, or, like, being friends with Lisa is like playing chess with Bobby Fischer. Like, she says that to Adrian Maloof, uh, TBT. Mm -hmm. And Lisa takes, like, offense to those comments which here's the thing like yeah you would if your friend said that about you i think you would i think Mm -hmm. lisa reacted pretty strongly uh but i guess i would too because i'd be like oh well then why are you my friend if you kind of feel that way about me that's a theme that like persists throughout their friendship so again first kind of rupture like i believe season four four or five brandy and Lisa get very close, but then Brandy kind of goes to Kyle and is like, Lisa wanted me to bring these magazines that are referencing Mauricio maybe, like, having an affair, like, stepping out on Kyle. So Vanderpump, like, allegedly tells Brandy to, like, pack the magazine. I don't know. It's, again... Oh, yes. I'm remembering this now. Yes, it's coming back to me. Yeah. Yeah. Some Packing the magazines. Yep. Packing the magazines. Tabloids that reference an alleged affair that Mauricio had. Um... And then Kyle is like, what the heck? Like, and Kyle is mostly mad that this was brought up on TV. Like, she didn't want any affair allegations to be, Mm -hmm. like, part of the show. Yeah. Um... But they make up, they decide no more gossiping about each other. They carry on for the next, like, several seasons. Again, tight, close friends. And then we get to Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy, who is a dog. Um, (laughs) And basically what happens, this is, y'all, one of the most complex scenarios. When I, I always had their friendship breakup in my mind as, like, being a huge bummer. Like, I I miss Lisa on, on Beverly Hills. I miss them being friends. Like, it's sad to me. But going back and trying to unpack what actually happened, unhinged. Unhinged. So many players. So I'm just gonna, like, kind of give the highlights here. But basically, Dorit. (laughs) Dorit adopted not one, but two different dogs from Vanderpump Dogs, which is Lisa's Mm -hmm. dog rescue weird boutique. (laughs) Um... The first dog, Dorit gave back because it bit one of her children. The second dog, Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy, also bit PK. And I am kind of like, what's going on? Like, what is going on? Because that feels like more of a rare situation than it happening with every dog that Dorit... I know. That's where I go, and what were they doing to the dog? Like, what were they doing? was it, like, a puppy that was, like, playing, and they were like, oh my god, it bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's so many different ways. It's so either many. they were aggravated or in defense, you know? Or, right. like, they were playing, and either way, they were just like, we can't handle this. Yes, and this is what's confusing. Like, I'm never one... Dog bites can be extremely serious. Also, a dog is an animal. Like, animals will do animal things. I have been bitten in the mouth by a dog. Had to get stitches. So I feel qualified to talk about this. And I love dogs. But you do have to be careful. You have to be careful putting your face in a dog's face. You do. True. Mm -hmm. Not blaming... Who knows? I am just kind of like, though, Dorit, why are you getting these animals? Like, why does this keep happening? Yeah. It feels like if you're adopting from your friend's dog boutique, 
you could do like a home test. You know what I mean? Like also, like could... they're puppies. Like they're yeah. not. Well, they, they're, they're weird not yet little who things. They will be. Yes, right. <laughs> they are weird little things. Yes, I actually am gonna come clean on this podcast. I adopted a dog from Vanderpump Dogs, and I brought the dog back. You to are you serious? Yeah. How did we not know? Wait, I knew. I knew that you had a dog and returned it. I did not know it was from Vanderpump It was. It was a whole 48 hours, but I will tell you it was not. The dog was perfectly well behaved. I was completely incapable of parenting a dog by myself. (laughs) And I knew that. And by the end of the week I knew the dog would have an incredibly bougie home by the end of the week because of Vanderpump Dogs. And she was he was housed with um, an incredible family with a yard by the end of the week which was lovely and wonderful and delightful. But I I just for the sake of this conversation as well would like to just (laughs) volunteer that information to the world. Um, And yeah no the dog was well behaved. (laughs) Props to you for that self-awareness. Thank you. And thank good. So that's kind of the point of what kicked off this. And I know some of you who maybe didn't watch are like, what does this have to do with Kyle? Well, <laughs> it has nothing to do with Kyle. Exactly. That's the weird part. Um, <laughs> but the complaint is that Dorit, instead of bringing Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy back to Vanderpump Dogs, like she brought, <laughs> she brought the first... <laughs> No, we have to use the full name every time. Yes. I insist. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of bringing it back, like she brought the first bitey dog back, she like <laughs> gives it to a woman she thinks is going to be a good home, which who what like who was it? Because the dog ends up in a kill shelter. And thank Oh, yes, that's right. Goodness. They found that dog. I do have more loyalty to the dog than I do to women cuz dogs can't aren't in control of the situation you know what i mean like i'm just like who did you give it because the dog escaped right from the home she'd given it to and that's how it ended up at the other shelter am i remembering this correctly honestly i I don't remember that oh oh i thought the 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 dog got out of the house Mm. oh maybe maybe i'm wrong i might have made that up revisionist history no there's so (laughs) many stories yeah that's better either way ended up at a kill shelter which is like so in opposition to everything Lisa Vanderpump fundamentally yes. believes and the reason yeah. she literally started Vanderpump Dogs. So, I mean, couldn't be a worse a worse scenario no. for Lisa. Lisa's also doing a lot of dog activism this season, so it's just like very against her ethos. So basically, um, Teddy, <laughs> Teddy Mellencamp. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, absolutely. Teddy and Kyle go into <laughs> Vanderpump Dogs. And one of the staff members, like, tells Teddy about what's happened with Dorit. That, you know, scandal has Mm. erupted. Lisa Mm -hmm. had not told anyone what happened with Dorit. Lisa was apparently trying to protect Dorit in that way. Mm -hmm. It comes to light that Teddy is like, no, your staff told me that you told them to tell me about Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy. So basically, they're saying like it was a plot from Lisa Vanderpump not doing any of the dirty work, but setting up Teddy and Dorit to like fight against each other to, I guess, get back at Dorit for the dog situation because Lisa loves her dogs, which I don't know. I don't, you know. It's I also don't know. like Lisa has such a producer brain that it's mm. definitely mm. also just to stir trouble, you know? Like yeah. she was doing it for the drama. Or yeah. allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. So Kyle's friends with Teddy 
Kyle's friends with Dorit, Dorit, I'm sorry, Teddy just starts being like, I will not be a pawn. I think Teddy had just been pushed around. So she takes like the hardest line stance Mm -hmm. of like, you will not get away with this. So Teddy goes so hard, starts defending Dorit, who she previously had not been getting along with. Again, we're all wondering, what does this have to do with Kyle? Still absolutely nothing. It is just (laughs) that Kyle eventually puts on a bright red Carmen Sandiego hat and goes to Lisa's house. Uh, Kyle has been going to Lisa and being like, hey, people are saying this. It does not look good for you. It really does look like you are being the puppet master here. It looks like you're planting stories in Radar Online, whatever the hell Radar Online yeah, is. Whoever reads that. Whoever's reading that. You're planting this about Dorit, like, because all of these tabloid articles are singing the praises of Vanderpump Dogs. Oh my god. Um, I remember her walking up to Villa Rosa with that uh, hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I That's a thing that I always wonder. I'm like, was Kyle just like, today's a hat day? Or was a producer, like, prescient enough to be like, put on a weirdly distinct clothing item? Because now <laughs> I just am like, oh, yeah, the scene where Kyle's wearing the red hat. <laughs> like, that's right, where like it Kristen all Kristen in her green dress. Exactly. And it's probably just, like, happenstance, but it is distinct. So Kyle's been kind of, like, coming to Lisa with this. Lisa's like, I swear, like, I didn't do this. Kyle marches up to Villa Rosa, is like, Lisa, I don't believe you. I wish I could go back to people and say that, no, Lisa would never do this, but I think you would do this. Lisa swears up and down on her children's lives that she did not do this. She's like, you think this about me, this is done. We're not friends. If you honestly think I'm that much of a liar and manipulator and you don't believe me and you won't defend me, then we are not friends. This friendship is done. And then we get an infamous line from Ken Mm -hmm. where he goes, goodbye, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was incredible he's literally walking up the stairs of villa rosa kyle's just standing in the glass kitchen and you just hear goodbye kyle (laughs) it's unbelievably good but from whistleblower ken todd yes ken is always marching into that kitchen with some hot takes just with one line and then walks right away So all of that to say, obviously, that is one of the more complex friendship breakups. But here's the thing. I think friendship breakups are always complex. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to have to talk for like 45 minutes to an hour about the layers of what happened with me and another person, all the complicated dynamics. Because women are too smart and complicated. Yes. (laughs) They really, they never recover. And here's the thing. When I first watched that season, I was like, I don't believe Lisa. Like, I really think she Mm. took this too far. I think she should have admitted to manipulation. Like, her planting stories has been a consistent accusation Mm -hmm. for however long, like, she was on the show. So I'm just like, I don't know. I kind of feel like she probably did do it. She probably manipulated and planted some stories and maybe she should have copped to it a little sooner. But then watching it back this time, I was like, I don't know if it 
matters because I still understand her desire to have a friend who will defend her because Mm -hmm. obviously like it's not great I mean I don't know the story that was reported wasn't that exaggerated like Dorit unfortunately did kind of flop with the dog the dog was in danger like I'm not saying Dorit was saying people were threatening her family I think that's awful obviously Mm -hmm. but I just don't I don't know I think you want your friend to ride for you and Kyle was I think finally using this as as an opportunity to kind of separate from Lisa and so my first watch I was like very much like Lisa has taken this all too far and she's manipulated the heck out of this and it's too much watching it back I'm kind of like I see I see like both sides I don't know I don't know I was a lot more Mm. empathetic to Lisa this time around for whatever reason I think I see both sides but I think I would have maybe believed Lisa if she had stuck around like that was her last season then she didn't come back to the show and that screams guilty in my eyes um and just like that she couldn't she could see where her character arc was going in beverly hills right she had always been kind of like top dog or at least like in the top three of that friend group she was always very alpha with the women and so to have them all turn on her over that like the last like two seasons I think she just, like, saw the writing on the wall. And even whether or not, like, she did it or not, she just felt like she was betrayed by her mm-hmm. by her friend and, like, original castmate Kyle, you know? Yeah. Um, and just said, like... But, and, and her, like, bitter Betty bye and, like, never wanting to resolve it to mm-hmm. me is also, like... It's crazy to me, honestly. Over this kind of story, you're like, what? Right. I totally agree. And... Overall, it just, it was sad. It was sad that such a long friendship ended in that way. I I don't, like, I think, I don't know. I think Lisa, like, did manipulate the situation, but I don't know if we know the full truth. And it just is reminiscent of other situations I personally have been in or that I know friends have gone through where it's like, no one's fully right, no one's fully wrong. So much has happened. There was underlying tension. There was an underlying mm-hmm. like competitive one-uppingness between them that mm-hmm, this situation yeah. just kind of erupted. And I think that's the case so often. Yeah, they very much of of many casts like had that both vying for Queen B energy mm-hmm. at all times. It was like whose franchise was it? Yeah, because it kind of goes either way, you know what I mean. And then I think Kyle just wore her down to where Lisa just finally like dropped out of the race. But I do think Lisa, because I was always more on Lisa's side, I think, and she, I think she just fallen so far from grace in so many ways. And I do feel like in this last season of Vanderpump, as Ken was very much charged with handling the line of I can't believe Tom Zendable like I just like was like oh god Lisa's at it again yeah because <laughs> like, it felt like that he was truly running lines with her an hour before camera showed up you could tell yeah it's like yeah. so it was a long line it, it was a long line and in the jacuzzi too jacuzzi. I was like oh, boy Keep walking, keep it walking. But um, are you excited by the rumors that perhaps Vanderpump is going to be back on Real Housewives this next season? She's allegedly filmed some scenes. Who knows if it's like, I don't think as a housewife, but perhaps as as a friend. I would love it. Same. I think it's time. I think it's it's just the right amount of breathing room. 
for her and the franchise's friendship breakup to have had, and now she needs to return and heal some old wounds. I will say we need one of the Lisas at all times. That's we definitely part do. of my... <laughs> I can't yes. believe that they were like, oh, we're taking away Lisa Rinna, but you can have Denise back. I oh don't want God. Nobody asked. Back. As if that's a fair trade. It's like, not. Like, in what world? Come yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, I pass the baton to Delaney, who's about to cover, honestly, two of my favorite ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we covered Beverly Hills West Coast. It's time to go to the East Coast. I am going to take one of the most iconic friendship breakups of Real Housewives of New York with Jill Zarin and Bethany Frankel. The OG cast members, like, this was early days of Housewives even being on air as a show. Um, And they were just the best of friends, really. They were true, genuine, like, um, you could tell that they just spent a lot of time together, even when the cameras weren't around. Um, They were always just joking, laughing super close. The first two seasons, they had like a real like care and love for each other. You see Bethany bonding with Bobby, Jill's husband. Um, and then I season love three, Bobby. I know. Bobby was incredible. One of like the better, like one of the best husbands, I think, of any housewife, to be honest. Agree. Agree. So season three starts and it's kind of weird. It's like clearly we have entered in the middle of something um, where... Jill and Bethany aren't quite on the same page. And Bethany is just like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, Jill and I kind of had, like, a little argument, but, like, not not a big deal. I'm hoping to, like, kind of clear it up when I see her, as opposed to Jill, who is, like, running her mouth to all of the other housewives about being, like, Bethany and I aren't friends. I have beef with Bethany. Like, it's not good. I don't care for her at all. Like, really, like, riled up about it. And it's revealed to us that... <laughs> The, 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 the crux of the conflict is apparently they were in an argument over the phone. Um, something got back to Bethany that we don't know. On, it's never admitted to on camera. But uh, Bethany leaves Jill a voicemail that says, you really need to get a hobby and stop picking fights with everyone around you. And that phrase, get a hobby, truly sets Jill off into the stratosphere and she just <laughs> clings on to that and won't let it go. She apparently plays the voicemail to Luann to be like, can you believe her? She told me to get a hobby, so therefore I'm never speaking to her again. That's that's my new hobby, never speaking to Bethany. Um, and so, <laughs> so basically, um, they meet at a fashion show, whatever. There's a bunch of like little tiny moments, but nothing really gets resolved. And Bethany's kind of picking up the pieces of like, oh, I guess this is like a bigger deal to Jill than like I anticipated. She was like, I was just saying like, you need to stop like nitpicking everything and finding issue with things when there isn't anything and just like move on. And she was like, yeah, well, I did get a hobby and I got new friends. So you, you know, you can go, like, go spend time with your new boyfriend and go write another book. Um, there's the classic phone call scene where uh, basically Jill accuses Bethany of not supporting her when Bobby was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and goes under a major surgery. And Bethany clearly on the phone is saying like, 
I didn't realize he was that sick. I didn't know that. I sent you guys flowers. I sent you an email asking, how is Bobby? What's the update? I didn't realize the severity of his illness. I just knew he wasn't well. And Jill's clearly dealing with, that's very heavy topic. And she's dealing with Bobby going into treatment and uh, views that slight as like, Basically, Bethany is too busy with her new boyfriend, Jason. She's just got two book deals and she's getting her own spinoff show um, off of Real Housewives. So in Jill's mind, behind the scenes, she never really says this. I think she's coming from a place of Bethany doesn't have room in her life for me anymore, even though I have made copious room for her in mine. Right. Um, but it just became clear like that, that, that. Jill was holding on to this and she had so much going on personally that she just didn't have it in her to resolve it. Luann and Ramona set up the apartment ambush where Bethany is like ready to sit down and just hash this out with Jill. She's like, clearly there's just been miscommunication everywhere. Let's talk this out. Jill doesn't realize that this is a setup. So immediately her defenses go up and she's like, I'm not ready to do this. I feel ganged up on and they don't get anywhere. They like, Bethany is like in tears and is saying like, I want to fix this. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I have a lot going on in my life, but like, I'm so sorry that I wasn't there for you. Like, I wanted to be there for you. I would never do anything to intentionally hurt you. And Jill just like can't hear it. Like, she's truly just like, you can tell she's just so far gone in this. And she feels like she's being attacked, even though she's not. And so she just, she gets up, she says, I've got to go. And Luann has like a car for her. And then she's like, great, do I look like a cold bitch because Bethany was crying and I wasn't crying? And so she's already thinking about how this is going to look too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, of course, Scary Island in this season, which is Um. one of the more iconic moments of New York, where, of course, it's Ramona, Sonia, Alex, Bethany, and Kelly, Ben Simone, all going on vacation in St. John. And this is where a separate tangent of Kelly just kind of really losing her mind into like paranoia and sleep deprivation and just like is very unwell while Bethany is like trying to cook them all dinner and like present herself as, you know, she's like a chef and like a writer. She's trying to like make this her career as like an event planner. And um, she basically Kelly's like, Bethany's going to kill me. <laughs> we could do a losing. whole episode on Scary Island and Kelly Ben Simone, quite frankly. Absolutely. It ends, of course, with the classic go to sleep from Bethany. But she had been very tame, honestly. I just rewatched that whole episode. Um, but the day after Kelly leaves, so everyone's drained. It was a crazy experience. Um, the girls, the four girls, are getting pedicures. And who walks in as a surprise and just says, surprise, I'm here, me and Bobby, we were going to St. Bart's and we thought we'd stop in and say hello. And the girls are just like, they are empty. Jill says, it looks like a ghost walked in the door. What happened here? And they're like, we can't handle, first of all, she's like, Ramona has her own beef with, with her Everyone else is just like, I can't handle another moment of chaos. And so Jill literally just turns around and walks out. It's a crazy scene. She's like, I guess I'm not wanted here. I guess nobody is excited to see me. Bethany, I just, I heard you were pregnant. I wanted to see that you were doing well. And it's like, 
it's just like so crazy to, to see like these two women and clearly like she cares so deeply about Bethany and does mm-hmm. like want to know. There's a moment of at the dinner where Ramona is like, has anyone heard from from Jill? Because like she didn't check in and say like, hey, I hope you guys are having a good time. Has the trip or anything? And everyone's like, no, no, I haven't heard from her. And Kelly goes, I have. And all she wants to know is how is Bethany? She can't let it go. Anyway, okay, so all of that to say, they don't make up. They are fully broken up as friends. At the end of the season, they sit down, they they cry to each other, and Bethany basically says, divorce, this feels like a divorce. Divorce can be ugly. I don't know how to build a relationship in the future because I am so damaged by this relationship. And mm. so... She basically goes on The View and says that Hobbygate was that Jill was asking other housewives not to film with Bethany mm. after she learned that Bethany was getting her own spinoff. And Bethany said that if the cast remains the same, she probably wouldn't return for another season. And she didn't. Bethany did not return to season four and Jill did. But it was Jill's last season ever was season four. Yep. There is the, also the conflict of Bobby's funeral. Bobby, unfortunately, did pass in 2018. It was season 10, um, and that was when Bethany was back on the show. She's on the show again from season 7 to 11, and um, Jill is not. But there is back and forth, and they even get into this on Ultimate Girls Trip with Dorinda bringing it up at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but whether or not Jill gave Bravo permission to get mm-hmm. to have cameras there or if Bethany brought cameras there. All of that to say Bethany attended the funeral was like had a really sweet moment with Jill to be honest like where yeah. Jill was saying Bobby loved you Bobby loved you he wanted me to fix this with you and we never did but Bobby really loved you and what am I going to do I'm alone now it was just heartbreaking so so sad to see um But then they just go at each other in the press about who brought cameras. No, you brought cameras. Like, Mm. who's genuine about it? Um, You know, she goes on, uh, Jill goes on Watch What Happens Live and is saying, like, I wish that I'd never walked out of the apartment that day and that we just had hashed it out because things would have been so different and we really could have, like, we really could have come out on the other side okay. Um, And Bethany is basically like, you know, I, I wish her well, but I want nothing to, to do with you. And, and then in, in June 2022, they were both on the same flight. And they were both mm. next to each other in first class. And they took a selfie together. And uh, she said, Jill said that they caught up. They, they were talking the whole flight. Um, and Andy Cohen was like, oh, yeah, Bethany texted me when you guys were leaving. She said, you would die. I'm on the plane with Jill. And, I, and my mind was blown. I was in a doctor's office waiting room. And I said, I'm Venmoing you two a lot of money. And I'm sending a crew. <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, but, uh, it, it, I would pay a lot of money to, to hear them, you know, like literally, I don't know, 12 years later, talk about all that went down around Hobbygate and afterwards. It's just one of those like really sad moments of like friends misinterpreting other people's Mm -hmm. intentions 
Mm-hmm. Jill totally misinterpreted where Bethany was coming from. But Bethany was also like, she then had a new boyfriend, got pregnant, lost her father that year. So it was also just like in her own world too. They were both mm-hmm. dealing with like huge things and they just couldn't see they could not connect. And I think it's so sad because I think they needed each other like more than ever. Yes. Yeah. I think they both were, and Jill especially, I think, they were more focused on being right than they were on their actual friendship. And mm-hmm. I remember feeling like that was so devastating because, and I think Jill feels this. Yeah, Jill should have not been so self-righteous. She should have allowed room that there was miscommunication And just given Bethany grace, if Bethany hadn't showed up in the way that Jill would have preferred, she should have given Bethany more grace. And Bethany was caught up in a lot of her own thing. And I think she always struggled to be vulnerable. And I think maybe she could have been slightly more vulnerable with Jill. But again, it just feels like, yeah, they, they both, but Jill more so, put, like, I'm right, you, like, I deserve penance. Like, you make it right with me they put that before like giving grace and true like true forgiveness and that's such a bummer yeah i do also think we always have to kind of look at where friendships fall that start in season one or have existed in season one and look at where they are around seasons two and three when fame starts to really kick in totally. and when somebody from the cast is really starting to take off when you see success occurring particularly for certain members of the cast and not others. And sometimes it's sort of like, think about the fact that Jill got stuck on the word hobby, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in the moment when she knows that like Bethany's life is starting to shift a bit and what, because otherwise why would that word be that offensive to you? Exactly. And so I think when you get caught in a loop on a word, there's, there's like, what is the bigger story around said word? And I do think when you look at, because what was it season Two or three? Three. Three. And she, Bethany was getting a spinoff. All of this was happening. And that word to Jill meant, you're not as busy as me. Get a life. I'm busy. I don't have time. Yeah. And, she, and that is such an offense in that way. So I do think as fame really hits, and again, Bethany's the breakout star of New York mm-hmm. at that point. You know, like she's getting it all. And I think it's inevitable that you you do a lot of comparing. So I always think that's an interesting thing to look at as well. It definitely played a part. It's definitely like perception and fame. And then like what it really came down to, I think, was that like everyone needs that kind of attention and like check in from friends. I think that's such a human and normal Mm -hmm. reaction for Jill to be hurt about like, hey, like. I know that you're dealing with all of this like great stuff and that's amazing, but like my life's in shambles and I haven't heard from you in three months, you know? Mm-hmm. And when, you know, Bethany was like, I sent you flowers. I, I, I sent you an email. I never heard back. And she was like, yeah, don't you think that that would have been a sign that something maybe was, was wrong if you didn't. He-? And then she's like, I never got a call, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, that's valid. Yeah. Like uh, there is a certain cadence I think to they were talking like five times a day that's what Jill was like yeah. I we used to we used to call each other five times a day and then I don't hear from mm. you and there was that kind of like she's in a honeymoon phase with this mm. new mm. guy and we've all lost friends to relationships before so mm. it's I mean, a very it's very it's very Danielle Lindsay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. right now super relatable but ultimately 
Jill had the opportunity to make amends and to, again, like you said, Julia, Mm -hmm. give grace and forgive. And she really just, she really stuck to her ego in a way that I think she genuinely regrets to this day. So last but not least, I'm passing the baton to Tina. Well, thank you. I will take that baton and take us straight down south to Atlanta. Um, I'm going to talk about the friendship breakdown of Kim Zolciak and Nene Leakes. Oh my gosh. Um, what a crew. Um, so I feel like this, this friendship is different and a little bit, this friendship is interesting and a little bit different from y'all's because this friendship breaks down within five episodes of the first season (laughs) (laughs) and then proceeds to break down over and over again through season 10. So... This is, whereas, you know, Lisa and Kyle are really pretty tight friends for much of the seasons they are on together on um, Beverly Hills. Bethany and Jill, you had at least like two to three seasons just about of friendship to work off of. We meet Kim and Nene in episode one as friends. They're like freaking frack, these two. (laughs) Like they are just the goofiest, funniest, very kind of kindred spirit energy friends, but I would argue the writing was on the walls with this friendship from day dot. Because one of the first lines out of Kim's mouth is, I'm a black woman trapped in a white woman's body. <gasps> Woof. Yeah. What year is this, by the way? 2008. Yeah. Okay. Is when, end of 2008 is when it airs. So yeah, probably during 2008 is when it's, yeah. So very quickly, you get a taste of who Kim is from that line. And I do think in many ways that Nini just finds Kim hilarious. She's almost like the jester in Nini's court to some degree. Like she's a quirky, absurd white woman. And it's funny. <laughs> and at this time, Kim is in a relationship with the mysterious Big Papa. And um, <laughs> this will eventually become part of the dissolution of the season by the reunion. But so the, th- the big thing is that like Nini is basically an ally of Kim, who is the only white woman on this cast. And so Nini had kind of helped helped Kim assimilate into the group, had kind of validated her presence among all of them. Mm. So kind of like put herself on the line for Kim's presence. Yeah. Um, and one of the earliest things that um, Nini says about Kim is, Kim is so fun, she would do anything for you, she truly has your back. She just sees her as this like fun, She feel they feel like the party friend you had in college. Like, mm-hmm. the person that you just did fun, dumb shit with. And, like, I think Nini loves that. And she's, she's, she's the am- woo girl, right? Like, the yes, woo girl. Yes, very, yes. Very that energy with each other. Just, like, let's go spend money. Let's be big dum-dums together. Kim's chain smoking perpetually. Like, <laughs> Kim's an absurd character. So then by episode five of the first season, the friendship starts to crumble because... Oh my God. First of all, I just have to say how much I love researching for this podcast because I got to go back to season one of Atlanta and oh my God, I forgot the absolute gift that we were given. Kim is trying to pursue a singing career and in episode five, you hear this woman sing for the first time. Oh my God. And let's be so very clear, she cannot. I mean... Not even, like, this woman is croaking. And Nini, (laughs) who we know eventually comes to be a fairly talented person who goes on to be on television shows, is is making fun of Kim and is drunk one night in the back of a car, coming back from a dinner, and is singing, crooning a ridiculous song about Kim, making fun of how she lies about her age, making fun of how she's only getting her ability to record in the studio because it's a favor to Big Papa. And so (laughs) that gets back eventually to Kim. And 
And it results in one of the most legendary text messages in Real Housewives history, which is Kim in just a, in a flip phone text message while driving, might I add. Nini's Ooh. opening this flip phone, reading the text where Kim calls Nini a low-budget bitch for talking about her in this way. Because um, Nini just, like, doesn't believe in her musical career. She thinks it's ridiculous. And so she makes fun of it because Nini cracks jokes about shit. And Kim takes it really seriously because she's taking her music career very seriously, mm-hmm. which is also, again, insane. But so then by the reunion... The whole season, Big Papa's been this figure. Kim's getting um, cars out of him and thanking Big Papa. Like, it's very icky. It's got a lot of ick on it. And so by the reunion of season one, um, Kim admits that Big Papa is still legally married to his wife, and we get one of the most famous lines in Housewives history from NeNe Leakes, which is, close your legs to married men. Oh, my God. (laughs) Close your legs to married men. And that just, she says it about six times, and it is kind of an all-out brawl. Nene, like, Nene lunges at him. It is bad. Wow. Um, And so, oh, it, also in that reunion, Kim acts like she has cancer and then says she doesn't have cancer. <gasps> it was giving... Oh, I remember It was that. giving very Mia. It was giving yes. very Mia and Potomac energy. It was yes. really kooky. Um, so that's sort of the resolve of season one. And so then we kind of continue on this roller coaster ride with the two of them throughout every season. Like they just, and they keep, they really are drawn to each other. They really want to hang out with each other. By the end of season two, Kim debuts Tardy for the Party, a song that Nene, she originally wanted Nene to be backup vocals on. Right. And in the end, she decides she's going to do it alone. It's not going to be a duet with Nene, which doesn't resolve well. However, um, by the beginning of season three, Kim is on tour with Candy, which is absolutely bonkers because Kim has one single song and Candy is a Grammy winning artist with actual talent. And they're on tour, on a tour bus um, in Miami. And so Nini comes to meet them to come see the, the girls perform that night. So she meets them before she meets them before Miami in Orlando for their performance at a nightclub, which is very hard to watch it is not the vibes are off at this nightclub for their performances kim is singing to her own backing track of herself and is completely off tune and so already <laughs> nini had been on air live that day on um 11 alive or whatever it's called some local yeah local sure. news show she was doing she was doing the uh entertainment report reporting for and she asked jermaine dupree if uh 32 was too old to be releasing music Kind of a dig at Kim. Mm -hmm. So Kim had heard that. Nene comes to the event that night. Kim is not good. And uh, so then they get back on the tour bus. And tensions are already high. At this time, Kim has an assistant named Sweetie on the bus. And Candy is just agitated by their dynamic. It is very tense all the time. They're always nitpicking, sassy with with each other. Kim needs to keep stopping to chain smoke, so they're late getting to all of their locations because she needs to stop to chain smoke every few hours. Um, so tenters are high, then Nini gets on the bus. And basically, what a whole brawl begins, like a full brawl begins because wow. the comment from the 11 Alive thing comes up. Then they start to um, just like fight and bitch at each other, and eventually it results in Nini referring to Kim's assistant as Kim's slave and so it gets really tense really uncomfortable nini says you're second best and you know it 
Um, same thing that sort of like a head bitch in charge energy that happens between the two of them of like, who's really getting more famous right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Kim calls Nini, uh, an intern at 11 alive. (laughs) Um, so they get really, and then once it really escalates, Nini gets out of her chair and lunges at Kim. It's like the second Kim get, the second Nini gets out of her chair, Kim's like, that's what I knew. Like, this friendship was, like, truly over. At this wow. point, Kim's met Croy. That relationship is, is beginning. And within that same year, essentially, Nene and Greg file for divorce. So Nene's got a lot of shit going on. Kim's in a new relationship. And Kim's kind of up her own ass about the fact that Dopey Tardy is a hit at this point. Mm. So this is really where, from then on, the relationship pretty much starts to, like, tank itself. Fully, finally. Because they had a couple moments where they really sort of managed to find each other again. Sheree kept getting in the middle and picking different sides. But they had always kind of come back together. But so that season three fight really was like a nail in the coffin. Then by season four, Kim and Croy get married. And they have a baby. Nene's not invited to the baby shower. And by season five is Kim's final season as main cast. Kim pulls out of a girl's trip. And she claims that it's because the dates were never confirmed with her. And this implicates Nini as a liar. And this does not go over well. In her Bravo blog, Kim says, I'm 32 weeks pregnant and it's a scary travel risk. So it was against my doctor's order for me to travel. And to think I was, would be willing to take that risk for them is absurd. So by then she walks out of a conversation saying, I'm not doing this anymore. Y'all are lying. I'm done with this shit. And she leaves the series um, until season 10 when both Nene and Kim return for the 10th anniversary season. And this is when we get to the ultimate. And again, that writing on the wall I mentioned. So in this season, Kim has throughout history, as I mentioned in season one, she had that moment where she kind of feigned cancer and didn't actually have it. And then by this season, she's had many other health issues. So Nini's poking fun at Kim for her health issues, saying, Kim's the only person I know that's had cancer, thyroids, blood clots. Be thankful that God has let you live through every disease in America. Oh my God. So, <laughs> and she doesn't say this to Kim. Kim is not present for it. She's it about Kim. And it becomes clear that she's kind of just continuously making fun of Kim, all Kim's health issues, because there, there are a number of them. Mm-hmm. So this leads us to Roachgate. What happens is Kim fires back at Nini's behavior by sending a group text of the women making disparaging comments about Nini and sharing a video that Brielle took in Nini's bathroom where cockroaches appear to be crawling on the floor. Oh my God. So Kim says in the text that Nini is sick and disgusting and disgusting and that she lives in a fucking roach nest and goes on to babble about it. All of the women are at the table receiving the text with Nini when this happens. So then this gets brought onto Instagram in some really fucking ugly Instagram captions. So Nini slams Brielle on Instagram. This comment, this um, post has since been deleted, but she tagged Brielle and said, we don't have roaches. If, I, if you found one, you brought it with you or it fell out of, out of your funky pussy. Please oh, no. <laughs> Not Please nature's no. pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Please know I will get you all the way together when you start fucking with me and mine. She since deleted that, but then she she posted somewhere else or in another comment and said, Kim and her daughters, oops, whole family are racist. What her daughter did at my home, which she nor Kim were invited to, so be clear about that as well, was pure disgusting racist learned behavior. 
Children are not off limits when you allow your children, to, your child to talk to adults any kind of way, post disrespectful things on social media, and so on. Kim is a calculating bipolar racist with a horrible mouth who uses black folks for her come up. Wow. So it started to get really ugly and come back to um, racism. And so Kim then defends Brielle, explains that Brielle just sent the Snapchat to me. I then sent it to everyone, but it was never meant to be like public. It was meant to be, but again, they were filming it being sent. Her point doesn't really stand. And so at the end of it, she's saying it's so sad and offensive that someone can stoop so low as to call someone a racist just because they're mad. Everyone in my life knows that I am far from racist. And unfortunately, Nene Leakes has tried for the last 10 years to paint that picture because that's her last resort. It's convenient that I'm not a racist when we are getting along. So that reunion season 10 is pretty damn ugly. Mm. Nene um, screaming at Kim says, you're a hater, you're jealous, your mouth is fucking reckless, you're fucking trash. Um, Kim, after that season airs, or right before it airs, but out of filming, does an appearance on Larry King now. And explains that she, the, her decision to actually seek legal counsel in the wake of Nini's claims for defamation. Um, so she says on Larry King now, she says she put hashtag KKK on the Instagram post. It's just that bad. I'm on a show with all African-American women and I'm the only one that's ever been on the show that's Caucasian. So it's the card that sometimes they play and it's gross and I won't allow it. Oh, there's so many it's, layers there. There's so many layers. So after that... Of course, for Halloween in 2017, Nini goes as a pest control um, person <laughs> and Greg is the cockroach. I mean, it becomes a perpetual thing. Yeah. In the end, I mean, as far as I can get up to timeline-wise, since Greg, Greg's cancer came back, um, and I believe 2021 that was announced before he did eventually pass, um, Kim sent a gift basket to Nini and Nini posted about it on Instagram and was very openly thankful for it. So I think they've come to a, 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 a probably place of mutual respect at the very least. However, I mean, the layers of race throughout yeah. this friendship are really substantial. I don't know that we've ever seen Kim truly contend with the role she played in this show and what she could have been versus what she was in this show. And I think, I mean, many, I mean, even when she was friends with Sheree, all they were saying to each other was, well, you're the black version of me, you're the white version of me. Kim has also pulled the I don't see color card with people pointing out to her that's the problem. Yeah. There's a lot of it throughout throughout time. And I think finally in the end for Nini, it just, it all was too much to bear, I think, and to, and to um, apologize for and accommodate for. And I think early on it was probably all fun and games, but it had been nearly a decade so a lot of growing and changing in terms of maybe what Nini was willing to tolerate and have around her versus the way Kim used to speak in 2008 pretty openly about thinking she should have been born black. Um, so it's a pretty complicated friendship, but one that perpetually ebbed and flowed over time. But was, I mean, these two women constantly lunch at it. I mean, they were willing to get physical with a good deal of frequency. And how how good of friends do you think that they were before the show started filming? Like, I do wonder sometimes, like, about these friendships, if they understand yeah. the roles that they're playing and that they need to yeah. have, like, foils to each other. Yeah. I don't know. I think this one felt to me like a... You're both being cast because you're great characters. You should probably get to know each other. And I think they quickly were like, this is a fun buddy. 
mm-hmm. and that was it. I don't think there was much beyond Depth. that. Is the is what I what I suspect. I don't think they tell any big story of like I met Nini when blah blah blah. I think they're yeah. just kind of like I love hanging out with Kim. Right. So I think I do think it was it was a bit forced upon them by the show. Gosh, That's tough too. Yeah, because yeah. there's no like potentially no real foundation to come back to. Yeah. But even, but with that, it's kind of shocking how often they do really try to come back to each other. Yeah. Um, considering it's kind of a, like, set-up relationship, I feel, so we think. Um, they do really try many times to resolve it. Because I th- do think they have a lot of, I think they like to play together. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all go through some really serious shit. I mean, you have Nini who goes through divorcing her husband, remarrying him, having him get cancer again, having him die. Mm-hmm. Kim goes through on again, off again with Big Papa, eventually meeting Croy, getting married, having kids, and having had kids before, being essentially a single mother. I mean, they all go through a lot, and yet this, their friendship, though, has always felt to me, and even just in recollecting it, a lot of it's fairly superficial. A lot of it's fairly about play and fun. And laughing and making each other laugh. Um, but yeah, I think this one is so, so compelling because of the the race part of it all is, is really abundantly a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just hard when, you know, Kim has never truly, like you said, reckoned with that or owned up to any of the cultural appropriation of the past, you know, that she yeah, was Yeah, at least certainly not of. within the series. Yeah. When she was on the series. I don't know if it's happened on I don't I haven't followed her on social media yeah. really at all. Um I, I think like, much of Don't Be Tardy, but Yeah, I think like the race of it all definitely is like the there is conflict within that, but there is also just these two people clearly didn't really like each other either like they they or they just so much enjoyed making fun of one another like there was just yeah. issues beyond race as well that that I think was only going to yeah. come out in due time but it is so complicated as Kim's role in that franchise and I wonder if there was this like rightful rightfully so this resentment of needing to have like a white woman on the cast like why why couldn't they just have like an all-black cast you know like be the all-black cast of bravo that they you know they were one of the ogs so Mm -hmm. yes i think i had thought too before going back to it i thought they were friends on camera for longer because I remember the I remember the breakup. I remember watching these seasons when they aired, and remember being really like you know sad about how they kept not being able to get it together. Because it was so fun to watch them together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't recall that it just broke down within minutes of the series airing. Wow. That it was just always broken down. They were sort of the Teresa and Melissa of Atlanta. You know, just like constantly the storyline throughout their seasons was their conflict. So, I mean, we thank them for that service um, of giving us perpetual entertainment throughout all their seasons. I mean, they are two really spectacular characters, you know, flaws and all. Definitely. It sounds like at least from each of our examples, there is like somewhat of a glimmer of hope of some kind of like reunion or potential like more on camera mending or at least just like exploring that relationship whatever it has grown into like in the present day as they are like both grown 
adults at this point, you know, like, of course they were, they're all adults. I forget that about housewives that they're like always adults, but they act like children. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to see, um, if Jill and Bethany ever end up on camera together or like, you know, Kyle and Lisa coming together for this next season, I'm sure that they're going to have to talk to each other on camera about where they left off. Very true. And maybe we'll get some sort of model of reconciliation that we can bring back to the pod. Fingers crossed. Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of D-Girls, and we can't wait to share with you next time. Bye. Bye.